I had a car that to this day I wish I would have never sold. What was it? A 69 Mustang Fastback. No Three. way. Oh, wow. 351 Cleveland, four-speed <laughs> on the floor. Yes, I know. I know. Oh. I know. I know. <laughs> there, is, now, there is great angst and regret around this studio, too. And now my kids even send me pictures of these cars just to tease me oh. and taunt me. Yes. Welcome to Christ in All Things, a conversation about meaning and purpose. It's based on a verse from the Bible, Colossians chapter 1, verse 17, which says, Christ is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Christ in all things is a listening ear into conversations about receiving and giving the love and hope of Christ. And these conversations are an invitation, because as much as you'll hear, and as much as we enjoy having them, digital media operates from a distance. And that's not what's best for us, with God or with one another. So, thanks for listening. And if you're in the neighborhood, we invite you to participate in person in the life that finds its epicenter at St. Paul's Lutheran Church, 210 East Pleasant Street in Oconomowoc, Wisconsin. Welcome to Christ in All Things. I'm Pastor Jason Schachman. And I'm Pastor Lance O'Donnell. We have with us today a very special guest and dear friend, Cheryl Lynn Tesh. Yay! Yay. Hello. Hello, hello. We say that to all the guests. We do. We do, actually. (laughs) Uh, And it's wonderful. Um, So Cheryl... Doesn't make it not true. It doesn't make it not true. So Cheryl, our, our... conversation, we hope, uh, will be wide-ranging and varied uh, and share many stories uh, that that you can that relate to a couple of things we've asked you to think about. Uh, one is your name, what it, well, how did you get it, what's it mean, uh, and then the second part we'll get to. Mm-hmm. So your name? Cheryl Lynn. Cheryl Lynn Tesh. Now, it's two separate names. It's not like Cheryl not Lynn. Like Cheryl all and one. I, yeah, right. I kind of rolled it all off the tongue there. Cheryl okay. Lynn. Yeah. And do you know what it means? I do not. So Cheryl is actually a, a French derivative. It means beloved. Oh. Fun. Yeah. Yes. Lynn mm-hmm. uh, means lives by the lake. Ooh. <laughs> well, is that for real? Yeah. Huh. Who knew? Uh, now you do. Now I do. Uh, Tesh. Yes. Uh, Germanic. Your married around. name. Your married, married name. Mm-hmm. Means purse. Purse. Uh, purse. Like Ooh. money bag. Oh. Purse. Oh. Well, that would explain yeah. some things. In <laughs> 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 maiden name. Duco. Duco. And we've had your mom on the podcast yes. before. Right. And Duco is, again, Germanic background, meaning spirit or breath. Right? I love that. Yeah. So a a beloved one who lives by the lake and has a purse. I'm not sure how to really seamlessly weave that all together, Uh but that's what I try to do for all of our guests. Is there, is there, there, I mean, I know you said you didn't know the meaning. Is there a story behind what, did your parents tell you why they named you what they named you? Yes, because um, my mother wanted my name to be Julie. I don't see me as a Julie. However, her brother, Bob, who she spoke about, his daughter was born first, and they named her Julie. So, 
How they picked Cheryl, I have no idea. You don't know. Okay. No, because no, that to me that's very different. Cheryl and Julie are two very different names. Yeah, yeah. I would agree. Yes. So now you have an assignment. I'm kind of curious. All right, Dorothy. Why why did <laughs> why did you pick Cheryl? Why did you pick Cheryl? Yeah. Yeah. That'll be a fun story That'll for you and mom to yes. share. <laughs> or maybe yes. maybe it was Bill who picked it. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> and there's a story there. Yep. Indeed. <clears throat> Indeed. And how about Lynn? Uh, no, no, um, family history of that name to okay. my knowledge at all. So maybe it just sounded good to get together. I don't know, but, and, yeah. and, and, I, and I really didn't like my name growing really? up. No, why not? I don't know. I just, because it sounded old to me, I think. Cheryl. Yeah. I mean, when, oh. you know, cause I grew up with Linda's and Susan's and, and Julie's and, and things like that. And Cheryl just seemed like old. Sure. So then of course. I had a nickname of Sherry, and that's, I went by Sherry all through grade school. Oh, really? Really? Yes. But then when I got to high school and I was all high on myself or something, I thought, well, Sherry sounds really juvenile. Oh. See? So then I'm like, no, please call me Cheryl. Okay. Weird. Okay. Sherry with a C. Sherry with a C. C C-H-E-R-I. There are so many different ways people spell Sherry. It's reminding me of a song. Yeah, that's the one. That's that's the one. Yeah, we have a lot of moments like that yes. where songs pop into our heads. Yeah. Did you did you notice Cheryl here at the intro when when God's Own Child was playing? She, she did was, what I usually do. Oh, yeah. yeah. She's yeah. gonna go. She sat here uh, for those of you who are listening and can't see into our lovely little world here. Uh, normally, when our intro music is playing, uh, my head is kind of bobbing back and forth to this to the beat of that lovely little hymn. I, I did notice out of my peripheral vision that uh, Cheryl's head was was enjoying the doing opening the same tune. thing. Yeah, yeah. Yes. maybe maybe you, the listener, find yourself doing that too, and we encourage it because good music is good for the soul. Um, that that tune, by the way, and I don't think we've mentioned this. Sure, we got approval to use it for the tune, but uh, if the it it's from the hymn called God in Lutheran service book, it's called God's Own Child. I gladly say it. Yeah, it's a hymn about the glory of baptism. Yeah. And who we are because we are his baptized children, which I suspect we're going to talk about today. Maybe. So Cheryl, uh, there, the other question that we ask you, uh, to prepare to talk with us about is the top three to five things that have formed you into the person that you are. Hmm. So <clears throat> I kind of took a dive back into the past a little bit. And I think if I went, you know, chronologically from, you know, elementary school, I'll say um, <clears throat> when I was, I was the, I'm the oldest of four kids, right? Um, and my sister, who is the youngest, we are nine years apart. So okay. pretty significant difference there. And is it the siblings? Is it all girls? No. So myself and then my brother, Bob is okay. next and then Kurt and then Vicki. Girl, yes. boy, boy, girl. Yes. And um, being the oldest, um, as I would say probably when I started getting into like sixth grade-ish, something like that, if I remember right, is when my dad um, opened his first restaurant. And that was, it was called The Verdict. Mm. I have great memories of that restaurant. It was down on 8th and Rogers. You don't want to go there today. So mm-hmm. it's a very bad area. 
um, back then. It was great. It was called The Verdict. And of course, you know, it had the the law room theme and everything else. And um, we would spend a lot of time there as kids. I mean, during normal hours and things like that, because mom would help out, of course, and so drag the kids along most of the time. But then in the late hours of the restaurant business, it was mom at home with three kids and all of whom were very young, you know, primarily under 10 years of age. Mm -hmm. And my one brother in particular, Kurt, he would do anything he could think of to get himself in trouble. Always, (laughs) always. I mean, literally starting, uh, you know, fire department was there. I don't even countless times. And, um, I talk with my hands. I'm sorry. Countless times. And, uh, because Kurt set the bed on fire or, <laughs> you know, yeah, it just, it, I was just, I was just talking to Tori today about a situation. And Tori's your daughter. Tori's my youngest. And, yeah. um, so Kurt at one point in time thought it would be a good idea to go up in the rafters of the garage, um, where he would do things that he wasn't supposed to be doing. And at one point in time, he unplugged the freezer that was in the garage and, um, Nobody knew about it until somebody saw the blood from the beef spilling out the <laughs> freezer door onto the concrete garage floor. Creepy. I know it's gross, but um, yeah. And so anyway, Kurt was always the troublemaker. And so Cheryl, as the oldest sibling, you know, when mom was at home alone and dad was at the restaurant until the wee hours of the morning, um, would kind of have to help, of course. And so I think, you know, a lot of times you always assume that the oldest is always going to be the more... Mm, not domineering, that's not the right word, but you know, you just, you see the need to help out and, and that's what you do. Yeah. So I kind of feel like in some way that kind of made me into this, mm, I don't know, leader type person, mm-hmm. I guess that I am. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and get, I get things done person, the get things done person and, you know, whip people into shape type person. I don't know, but the only thing, speaking of whip, the only thing I knew is that, um, you know, I didn't want to see the, the repercussions of, um, bad behavior like my brothers did. Let's just put it that Mm. way. So, yes. Got it. You know, that's interesting because often and often in families, although your story is typical, but often, often in families, it's the first one that blazes the trail (laughs) and everybody learns Okay, we can't go there. Well, it's either that or the firstborn is a a people pleaser and so doesn't want to get in trouble because wants to make everybody happy or responsible or you know or feels responsible to take to make sure that everything gets done and so they don't find themselves getting into trouble. And then there's the babies of the family. So that is me. That you just described me. Yeah. That I'm on that end of the spectrum. Sure. Um, and so by the time my sister came along and got to high school, where I couldn't do anything as a teenager, Vicky was. She just got to do whatever she. Sure. Yeah. Isn't that often the case? Yes. And and you know it, Vicky could just do no wrong, and that was the way it was. But anyway, and so I assume you, you all laugh about this. Oh, of course, no. of course. Yes. Well, now, yeah, yes. So, Cheryl, would would you say that you were a person who was willing to take your freedoms as they were given to you, or were you one who went in search of those freedoms before they were really yours? No. So I I kind of so 
how you described before, the mm-hmm. person that always tries to please everybody, doesn't really look for trouble, anything like that, just the people pleaser. I mean, that I feel like that's who I am today, but then there's this other side of me, the, the rebel side, and that's always been, I would say that side took shape when I was in high school. Um, and probably, so I had, where I grew up in West Dallas, the entire neighborhood was public school kids. Um, down the street from us were kids, was a family that went to Lutheran grade school and Lutheran high school. And so we had that association, association, but the kids right around me on our block, all public school kids. And my dad was not fond of most of them because they were quite the, the troublemakers. But I, I was attracted to that in some mm. weird way. And so, um, yeah, I became a, a motorhead. You know, when I got my driver's license and I had, uh, I had a car that to this day, I wish I would have never sold. What was it? A 69 Mustang Fastback. No Three, oh, way. Wow. 351 Cleveland. Four <laughs> speed oh. four. Yes. I know. I know. Oh. I know. I know. <laughs> there, now, is, there is great angst and regret around this studio. Table. And now my kids even send me pictures of these cars just to tease me oh. and taunt me. Yes. I can't imagine Tyler doing that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, just back literally a couple weeks ago. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So. I, I actually totally can see Tyler doing so that. So it, it, for what it's worth, we asked, you, you asked, Pastor Shackman, you asked Cheryl, what's, you know, what's the number one thing yep. that formed you as a human being? Yeah. You talked about, you basically answered a birth order question. Mm-hmm. You did. <laughs> you said, yes. I'm the, I'm the firstborn. Which and, means, da 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 And in, our, in my case... Yeah, so that you were born one of four, mm-hmm. and which, and you know you also mentioned in that your dad went into the restaurant business, which had impact on family dynamics. Mm-hmm. You said you said by the way, and I didn't I, didn't, I don't remember this. You said opened his first restaurant. Yeah, um, that was the first one, and he ended up having to close that one when he found his employees were stealing from him. Yeah, um, which is often the case in that business, yep. unfortunately, and. It was, it was very hard on my mom, obviously, because dad worked a full-time, a regular full-time job besides the restaurant. So he was literally gone all the time. Yeah. So um, when that restaurant had to close, obviously she was very happy about that. But dad always had the, the desire to be in that business. He just loved that industry. And even from the time before I, I started working in the catering business when I was 14 um, mm. because he was in the catering. He worked for a caterer, good friends of ours. But um, but he always had that desire. And so eventually, um, I would say when I was in my mid to uh, early, I'm sorry, early to mid-20s, he opened his second restaurant in Jefferson, Wisconsin. And Is that uh, when you moved out here? Yeah. And, um, uh, and I sh- we should clarify for your yeah. listeners who are, out here, so Oconomowoc, <laughs> Wisconsin, where yeah. where we are, yeah. is about forty minutes, thirty minutes west of where you where grew, I grew up, up right. and then Jefferson is a little west of, yeah, and another, south of another us. thirty minutes another away. Another thirty from minutes, here. yeah, yeah, and um, so he opened that restaurant in Jefferson. What was um, it called? I don't even remember what that one was called. Okay. It was such a. It was one of those experiences you just want to forget. Um, he tried to open a restaurant in Jefferson and he wanted it to be a nice upscale restaurant. That was like, and he went to Jefferson. Yeah. So that didn't work. Not O'Connor walk. Right. And,
and um, even Oconomowoc that 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 time at would that have been time the sticks, this was right? we're talking about um, eighty four ish. Okay. Okay. Um, yeah, it would have been, and Jefferson was even. I mean, there's nothing wrong with Jefferson, but it, it just not an upscale restaurant type of town. Still isn't to this day. And the day that the restaurant was opening, my dad was in the hospital with a heart attack. Oh, man. And so he, mom calls me, my brothers, and said, you got to open the restaurant. Dad's in the hospital. And all of us obviously have jobs at that point. And you're how old? Uh, at this point, I'm 24. No kidding. So, and I was actually cooking for the restaurant at that point in time, too. This, this just wouldn't fly in today's yeah. codes uh, of standards for sure. restaurants. But I was cooking. His, his, uh, one of his specials was always going to be lasagna, you know, Tuesday lasagna or whatever it was. So I was making, pan- I don't even know how many pans of lasagna I was making at my house um, for the restaurant. But that morning came and dad, and I, I'm sure it was, I don't think it actually was a real heart attack. I think it was stress and anxiety over opening the restaurant. But he nonetheless ended up in the hospital. Yeah. Mom calls, says, you guys need to open the hospital, or open the hospital, open the restaurant. So Cheryl, Bob, and Kurt are calling in to their employers saying, you know, dad's in the hospital. We're spo- he's supposed to open today. We have to open for him. So it was, it was that one nightmare after another. With oh, that man. one, and they should have known. They should have seen the writing on the wall when one of the people that was interviewing for a position there literally stole money from my mother's wallet as she was being interviewed. She stole the wallet, and they later found it down by the river in Jefferson. Yes, so that restaurant was very short lived, and again, mother was very thankful because mm. so, she just you know she knew these t- types of things wanted dad. To be happy. Was so. was there a third restaurant? No. <laughs> no. 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 But, um, you know, I think that's one of the other things that I grew into um, with my mom and dad was they both enjoyed working for the caterer that we worked for, um, executive catering in West Dallas. The owners were very good friends of my parents, and um, they worked for them even before I started when I was 14. And we had great fun. We would go on jobs together, you know, primarily weddings and some corporate events and things like that. And um, that's how we spent our weekends. And yeah, as a it, family. As a family. And yeah. it was it was great. And I think that certainly shaped my desire to do event planning. Um, mm-hmm. That was part of it. So, and, you know, to this day, I always make way too much food in <laughs> family gatherings because it's just something that is like, you know, put in you when you work for a caterer you just make these massive amounts of food yeah. so yeah but it was it was great fun and so, I so just to try to recap a little uh, birth order mm-hmm. is is a huge part of who you are yeah uh, the family experience of be, because of that birth order in fact uh, you and your siblings helping the family in the family business whether it was uh, helping the friends catering business mm-hmm. or opening your dad's restaurant or working with your dad at the restaurant. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and all the while, what's mom up to? Well, mom was also working. Yeah. You know, she had a regular job too. Yeah. She, she was working from what I can remember. Um, even when I was, I, I remember being a little kid and going to St. Paul's West Dallas and mom was working 
But I remember that she would always still be taking us to school. So it must have been something, you know, not necessarily full time. Um, And I remember us having to, when I was in first and second grade, we actually had a combined class over at um, uh, um, Divine Savior, I think it was called, or our, I, I don't know, something over on Beloit Avenue, which I'm surprised I can't remember the name of that because the pastor there and his wife and their daughter, Sarah, I was her, I, we were best friends all through mm. school. So um, one of, it was a very charismatic church though, as I came to learn as I got older. So uh, it was, anyway. Um, <laughs> um, so yeah, I think mom worked out of the house, out of the home for most of what I can remember. And especially one, when we were in St. Paul's West Dallas, that's when she started working for, and she talked about this in her interview with you, is um, Pastor Barth at yeah. the time at St. Paul's West Dallas. And so, um, you know, I spent a lot of time in the church with her and um, in her role there. And then from there, she also talked about this. She went to work at Martin Luther yeah. at the high school, and which is the only reason I was able to attend Martin Luther is because as an employee there at that time, you were given some discount, yeah. as it were, um, for your child to attend. So that's the only reason I was able to attend there. So did all the kids go to Martin Luther? No. Okay. So we moved, um, we moved to Oconomowoc the summer before my senior year of high school. Yeah. Did you finish at Martin Luther? I did. Oh, I said, there okay. is no way I am changing schools my yeah. senior year. So you were school. driving all the way in every yeah. morning. Yeah. Um, and to one the of south the, side. Yeah. So, and mom didn't put this in her, in her interview, but so, because at the time she was working at the district office. Sure. So I would drive her to the district office, drop her off and then drive cross town to Martin Luther and then go back and pick her up um, at the end of the day. So... Um, was the district office at, on on uh, Capitol on Capitol? Yeah, eighty first Capitol. Yep, yep. Yeah. Wow, it's yeah. been there a long time. It's been there a long time, and um, one of the reasons, as she talked about, that she just couldn't handle the drive anymore is um, the the winters back then. The roads were obviously not like they are taken care of today, and so that was tough, and it was just too much stress for her. So that's when she found she needed to find a new job and obviously once I was done with high school it wasn't an issue anymore so yeah um but uh yeah they went to Oconomowoc um because when I was a senior Bob would have just been a freshman so um yeah they started in Oconomowoc mm-hmm. and then I became known as Bob's sister and then later it was, oh, yeah, you're Bob and Kurt's sister. Then I had no identity other than being someone's sister. Because so, you weren't from I'm here. not from here. Now I had no friends here. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I thought, you know, when, when we moved at that age, for me, life was over. I mean, come on. <laughs> I mean, you're taking me away from all of my friends. But you had a Mustang fastback. Um, yeah. Yeah, I did. And that's what you were I, driving in the winter, no, by the way? No, oh. I, I I actually got that after high school. Did you? So, okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I was driving some big old boat that my dad had. That's what we were driving. Absolutely. But, yes. So what was the first car? Uh, it was some kind of a Buick. My dad loved sure. Buicks. Um, he always wanted a Cadillac. He was one of these Cadillac guys, but you could never afford a Cadillac, so... You know, he got Buicks and he got some kind of like a Mercury Marquis at one point, you know, and th- we had to pay somebody to get that out of our driveway. 
point in time. So, what yeah. did, what was Dad's day job? What was Bill's day? He was in sales. Sales. Yeah, guy. he was always kind of a sales guy, manufacturers rep, and yeah, he could sell anybody anything. So he was. He'd actually pick up a New Year's Eve day. Um, in the retail world was a big day uh, for sales and he would he would go over to Colders and work one day and make hundreds and hundreds of dollars just selling furniture for one day. So what what year was it that he died again? T- uh 2014. It was 14. January of 2014. Okay. Yep. And I still to this day I uh, you know I'm still like oh he would just love Levi, you know, and Levi was born 3 short months after my dad died. So Levi is Cheryl's grandson. Grandson, yes. Yes. So so anyway, yeah, all those high school drama things that are a little different than they are today. But yeah, I had no friends. I didn't. I the only people that I actually became friends with were my brother's friends, and then eventually my sister's friends. Um, and because once you kind of go in a different direction, you do lose touch. It's very. It's very. Um, you have to commit to keeping relationships intact, um, you know, with high school people and things like that. And that's one of the things I always admired about my parents because they had this group of friends that they kept and maintained from high school on until these people are dying, literally. And that's very rare, I feel like, in today's world. And, you know, I, I, I still am on the planning committees for all of our class reunions, and so I keep in touch that way, but... Close friendships? No, those don't exist. You know, I'm, I'm struck by listening, and this will probably get us into the next segment. You guys are busy when you're a kid. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're, mom and dad, mom and dad are working. Dad's dad, working two jobs. Dad's, dad's in, a, in a stressful second job. I mean, yeah. he's, I mean, he's living out of his, he, he's working out of his giftedness mm-hmm. during the day, you know, just talking to people. Right. And, and into that to the second thing, but restaurant business, that's a, I mean, you got a whole complex of things, the family's all involved. And at the same, at the same, and that would be more than enough, more than enough for most people. Mm-hmm. But that's actually not at the center of what you guys are, because you guys are pretty regular churchgoers. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, mom talked about this too. Uh, you know, dad was not as regular as she always was. And, you know, it was, you know, it, it took a while for him to get back to that regular practice of going to church. But then, you know, the spirit moved him at some point in time and, and that's all you can hope for. Right. So, yeah, but, um, my, my spiritual relationship really changed. Um, I would say at 19 when I got pregnant. Oh yeah. Yeah. So, um, of course the, the person who was the father at the time, he of course suggested abortion Mm. and I knew how, I mean, my mom was already at that point in time, part of the, um, pro-life, um, movement, if you will. And, um, and, and I, I wouldn't even consider it, but I remember the words, I will never forget the words that came out of my mouth when I called my best friend at the time and told her that I was pregnant. And I said, this is something that God gave to me and only he will take it away from me. Yeah. So, um, that, that I think is probably the third main thing that (laughs) has made you who you are. Mm -hmm. And we'll start with that when we come back in episode two. Thanks for joining us.
For show notes and other information about Christ in All Things, visit ChristinAllThings.org. Comments may be emailed to comments at ChristinAllThings.org. We're thankful to provide Christ in All Things to you as a gift. But it's not free to produce and distribute. So if you'd like to help us make Christ in All Things a self-supporting show and have a little fun in the process, please click the support page at ChristinAllThings.org. A donation of any kind gets you a dozen environmentally friendly Christ in All Things straws to share with your friends. Pastor Shockman loves these. That is so not true. You love those way too much, and I still can't believe you bought them. A donation of $200 or more gets you some cheerful on-air clapping. And a pair of Wisconsin-made wigwam hiking socks. A donation of $1,000 or more gets you thunderous on-air clapping. And a handmade Christ in All Things leather folio by the Murdy Creative Company. If you want to donate more than that, well, fly us wherever you want, and we will record Christ in All Things at your chosen location. Within reason, of course. All post-production surplus supports youth ministry at St. Paul's. Thank you for your support. Christ in All Things is a production of St. Paul's Lutheran Church, 210 East Pleasant Street in Oconomowoc, Wisconsin. For more information about St. Paul's, visit splco.org, email us at info at splco.org, or the old-fashioned way, give us a call, 262-567-5001. Intro and outro music, setting by Joseph Hurl. Copyright 1998, Concordia Publishing House, used with permission.